everybody, Tyler Smith here with another more than one lesson mini-sode. I'm sorry it is a little bit late. Um, there was a, a change in programming, uh, which I will talk more about in a moment. But first, I wanted to remind everybody that this mini-sode is brought to you by Faith Life TV which is a new streaming service that will be officially launching in September. Faith Life features a number of uh, movies, documentaries, and just general uh, Christian resources for people like you, honestly, uh, as, as we say at More Than One Lesson, uh, discerning Christians. So I think you guys would enjoy it quite a bit. So what you can do is you can get your first month free. After that, it's uh, $4.99 a month. Uh, but you can get your first month free if you go to morethanonelesson.com. There will be a little graphic that says Faith Life TV. Click on that, and you will get your first, uh, first month for free. All right. So what is this mini-sode about? I was planning on posting uh, the, the Best of Pictures mini-sode about the greatest show on earth, but I decided to push that back in light of recent events. Uh, there is a lot going on right now in the world and in this country, and it is not super great. Um, it is, in fact, very discouraging and angering and to use a word that I use a lot, exhausting. Um, and so I thought I would talk a little bit about that because I've seen a number of my Christian friends uh, and fellow conservatives and then uh, liberals speak out about what's been going on. And so I thought I would uh, throw my voice in, but I didn't want to do it on Facebook. I wanted to do it here because I have more faith in myself as a speaker than a writer. So, okay. We're, we'll start with what's going on in Charlottesville or what has been going on. And now I'm not going to talk about literally everything. I'm going to be talking about a lot of stuff, but it is very complicated, uh, even though I think everybody would have you believe that it's much more simplistic than it actually is. Uh, so I guess I'll lead off with what this was meant to be. It was meant to be a, a protest uh, uh, against the tearing down of Confederate monuments. Um, and then people got mad at that. And then you go back and forth and there's a lot of violence. And from what, and based on articles I've read, the, the local police force and the local uh, government could have done more to stop the violence, but uh, they didn't. And there are a lot of conspiracy theories about why, uh, but we're going to put those aside. And so what I will say is that, uh, so I lived in Southern Missouri for a while and they, while I don't think uh, they were part of the Confederacy, at least not nearly uh, as much as one would think, um, people down there certainly do identify as uh, Southerners, or at least a, a number of them do. And I have come to at least understand some of the instinct to preserve uh, certain Confederate uh, iconography, um, because I do think that it's important to acknowledge the history of a country, even if that history is not a good thing. Um, you know, it's that idea of those who uh, those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. And so I do understand, you know, I'm not from Georgia. I'm not from Alabama or either the Carolinas or anything like that. And so uh, I don't, and the fact that I've moved around a lot, I don't have a whole lot of state pride in general. Um, and so I don't personally understand what, uh, what those monuments might mean or what the Confederate flag might mean. Uh, 
I think for some people it isn't about racism or slavery. It's for, uh, it's, it's about just their identity as Southerners. And this is a big part of Southern history. Um, so I guess I do understand that to a certain extent, but it's tough because, you know, these are not monuments to the civil war and what it was about. Uh, and remembering the fallen, it was, you know, the, a monument is something that celebrates something. And so when you see the Confederate flag and you see these monuments of, you know, great generals and great uh, uh, leaders of the South uh, or the Confederacy, uh, it can be, I can totally understand people saying that it's idolizing that history or rather idealizing that history. Uh, and it's maybe there is a difference between remembering history and idealizing history. And so I can definitely, I can see the other side of it as well. And so I'm not really sure where I fall on this. I would say by and large, uh, it is up to a person's interpretation. Like people that live in that, in those States, they might, they might be the exact opposite of racist and have uh, and have a complete understanding of why the Civil War happened and why it was necessary. Uh, and yet they still think that it is important to to remember their history. And so I don't know that that issue is uh, is something that I think warrants debate. Um and I think that's that is an instance where I don't think it is as sim, uh, simple as people make it out to be on either side. So what I did want to talk about, and it's been a while since I've talked about him, but I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, Donald Trump. So first off, I don't think that he is actually a racist. Um, you know, like so many other people, I've I've seen pe- I've seen posts on Facebook that show like a, a detailed history of his interaction and relationships with with noted black leaders through the years, um, and they say that oh uh, how could he be racist? Look at all of essentially like look at all of his, his black friends. I know that's simplifying. I'm sorry, um, but what I will say is that, and people might fight me on this. Do we really think that? people would feel so emboldened to wave a literal Nazi flag if, say, Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz had gotten the GOP nomination. And I, did, I do realize that I just mentioned uh, to uh, Cuban-Americans, so let's say Carly Fiorina or let's go back to Mitt Romney or really anybody that was running. Do you think if they had gotten the nomination and were elected president, do you really think we would be seeing Nazi flags on our TV? I don't think so, but I don't think it's because Trump is a Nazi or a Klan member or a racist. I do think it's because he's a narcissist. So here's the deal. During the campaign, uh, people like Richard Spencer and what would soon be called the alt-right, uh, which you know they consider themselves trolls and like, oh, they're just trying to trigger the left. Well, they would trigger the left by saying some pretty heinous and horrible things, and it took Trump a while to condemn them. And often when he did, and he's, he's said some, some pretty, uh, definitive things, uh, since then, but it took him a while. And I think it is because he is, he only thinks about things in how they relate to himself. If the alt-right says nice things about them, he will leave them alone. And maybe he even courts their vote. It's only after he's been told many times that he needs to condemn them for reasons that to us should be obvious that he finally speaks out against them. It's the same with Putin during the campaign, during the primary. Uh, 
he's he had some good things to say about Putin, and his reason was that he said some good things about him. And so I think it is for Trump. I don't think he's racist. I don't think he's really anything. I think he is Donald Trump. I think he thinks of himself first and foremost. I am. I have been very outspoken about what I think he is. And so, but I will also say what I think he is not. I do not think he is a racist, but I think, you know, as, as I believe the Simpsons said, not racist, but number one with racists. And it's because they realize that all they got to do is say nice things about him. And he might not do exactly what they want, but he's not going to, uh, he's not going to come down hard on them if, uh, if they say certain things. So, uh, so I wanted to mention that, and I'm sure that there are probably some, uh, Republicans listening and who think that I'm taking a simplistic view, but I do think that if you look at Donald Trump's political history, it is full of him not saying things that any, not, not merely any politician, but any person would say, and it's because of his own, I think of his own personal pride and ego. So I did want to talk briefly before we move on. I wanted to talk about racism uh, and the biblical attitude. There are a lot of people that say that uh, Christianity has been used and the Bible has been used to justify racism. Uh, I'm sure that it, I know that it has, and I know that it's been used to justify slavery and all of that. Uh, but please, uh, I would I would encourage people to look deeper into the Bible. There are depictions of slavery uh, in the Bible that it does not condemn, but uh, usually those depictions are not the modern definition of slavery. They are, it is more about uh, indentured servitude, but anytime slavery is based entirely on a person's race uh, or nationality or anything like that, uh, the Bible is not a big fan of it. So, but I also want to talk about larger things than that, which is the idea of the, of the Christian faith uh, and how it is meant to unify people and that there were big arguments in the early church about who we should bring in. Should we speak only to Gentiles or is Christianity, Christianity only for Jews, you know, the, the chosen people. And so there between Paul and Peter, there was a lot of fighting back and forth about that. Uh, and then we usually not usually, but we do fall on the side of it's for everyone. Salvation is for everyone. Race does not matter. Uh, age doesn't matter. Wealth doesn't matter. Uh, sex doesn't matter. It is salvation and redemption is open for everybody. So I have a number of Bible verses here. This is Malachi 2.10. Do we not all have one father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? I have another one. Acts 10 verses 34 and 35. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. You are welcome into the Christian community. Uh, Galatians 3 verses 26 through 28. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. Colossians 3 verses 5 through 11. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. 
You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. So pay close attention here. You must rid yourself yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And that last one, I, I must say, convicts me quite a bit. I do have uh, a swearing problem if you listen to Battleship Pretension. So this is... Uh, but of course, I also deal with anger and all of this other stuff. So uh, that particular section does seem to speak to our, our situation at the moment. Uh, but it continues. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, Scythian, I don't remember how you say that, uh, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So I recognize that it's, I hope that it's unlikely that if you are a racist that you listen to this show, I can't imagine there being much in this podcast for you, but please know whether you are Christian or otherwise, that there is, there is no basis in the gospel for racial prejudice uh, or any kind of prejudice or bigotry. Like, you know, in these verses, it does say that if you are following God, then that is who you are. You are not, you're not American. You're not uh, Spanish. You're not English. You're not Russian. You are Christian. That is what you are. You are part of that kingdom. And, it, and none of this other stuff matters. And so if there's anybody that somehow thinks that uh, we should discriminate or hate people that are not like us over and over again, the Bible is saying that is not the case that we need to be unified, but also that we could, should consider people that are not Christians as better than ourselves, not worse or lower. Um, and so I did, but I did want to, to move on. There's other stuff that I wanted to say, cause I wanted to talk about the other side of this, which is, uh, uh, Antifa. I don't know how you say it. And the idea of hate speech. Um, I should say that I don't condone violence of any kind. I understand that there are wars, uh, and I'm not necessarily in favor of those either. I understand that sometimes they are absolutely necessary, but preemptive war is a thing that I am not on board with. And so I guess that makes me a bit more politically libertarian than it does uh, Republican, but there it is. Uh, but the thing is, I have seen posts on Twitter and Facebook that say it's perfectly okay to punch a Nazi. And then I've also seen posts that talk about how hate speech should not be allowed, that it is not free speech. Okay. So here's where I don't agree with that. And this might be more of a, more of a political opinion than a spiritual one, honestly. Uh, so uh, this may seem a bit cynical, but I feel like the nature of humanity is to always push boundaries and to try to silence or discredit those that disagree with us. So that said, I think the moment that somebody says it's okay to punch Nazis or that hate speech isn't protected by the Constitution, I think the moment that happens, the more topics and opinions will soon find classified as Nazi or hate speech. Um, if bigotry is, if bigotry like specifically uh, stated or verbalized bigotry is not allowed, then my guess is that definition would start to be expanded to whatever is not politically popular or whatever, you know, whatever party is in power, Republican or Democrat, they will, they will utilize that law so that the people who speak against them, uh, 
are silenced. You know, if, if it's illegal to hold Nazi beliefs, well, let's look at it this way. There are a lot of people that are not really happy with uh, what Israel is doing. So now imagine that we are classifying people that speak out against Israel. Let's classify them as Nazi because, hey, it's a Jewish state. So obviously you must be against all Jews if you're against uh, Israel. Now, you and I know that that's not true, but that's an example of it going the other way. If uh, hate speech and if Nazi or racist or any kind of speech is is I guess criminalized. Um, and of course, you know, if you're saying these people are, are awful and they should be killed, well, that's a different thing. That's a call to action. And that is different. And that is, that is, uh, is criminalized. So, uh, I did, so I, I wanted to mention that. And I also, so what do we do with all of this? What do we do with people waving a Nazi flag? What do we do with the people that say those people should be punched? What do we do with people that say that they will defend Trump no matter what, or people that will condemn him as a racist no matter what? Like, what do we do with all of this? Um, I will tell a story that happened to me last night. Uh, I recently got in a fight with my wife, uh, an argument, not a physical fight. Uh, and I was very quick to apologize. I usually am. And she accepted my apology, but she was still angry because I had said some hurtful things. Uh, but because of who I am and especially who I've been recently, I got really worried and insecure. Like surely if I have, if I'd apologized, why isn't she feeling better? So I just kept apologizing and I refused to give her her space. Um, and I refused to allow her her reaction. So here's the thing, while I think it is good to apologize and to seek forgiveness for people, I also realize that an accepted apology doesn't mean that a person's hurt feelings will go away instantly. But at the moment, I wasn't thinking about my wife's feelings. I was only thinking about my own fear and insecurity. I wanted assurance that we were fine. And I didn't care what she was feeling. I only cared about what I was feeling. Um, so I will expound upon that and I'll say that in the midst of our current political climate, uh, it's very easy for us to come to our own defense and to only worry about how we're coming across or how we are viewed uh, whenever we hear someone's accusations of who we are uh, or what we believe. And so even if we know that these accusations are not true, I would say that it wouldn't hurt to first hear out the other person instead of so quickly coming to our own defense. As I said, I don't believe that Republicans are racist or that I'm a racist, but rather than focus, rather than focus on managing somebody else's perception of me, I should put my own insecurity and my own pride aside and listen to why other people believe these things. Uh, they might still be objectively wrong. And in, in fact, I often think that they are, but they are still a human being and they either feel marginalized or they are at least trying to have a heart for the marginalized. Those are both, you know, it's not good to be, feel marginalized, but you know, approaching, as I've said, it's been a while since I've said it, but this was kind of the, the watchword for the podcast for a while, but approaching people as people. Um, I think everybody looks more at what somebody represents than who they actually are. And I feel like right now that is definitely a thing that we have to do. Um, so I'll say, uh, so I'll, I'll jump to something else real quick. Cause there's just a lot of stuff going on right now. And I know I'm bouncing from one topic to the other, so I apologize. Um, 
So I was grabbing coffee with a friend of the show, Andrew Clavin today, and we were just talking about various things politically. Um, and a middle-aged woman came into the Starbucks and she was crying. And, and I, you know, on one hand, I kind of wanted to ignore her, but I thought like, Hey, who knows why she is crying? So we, we asked her, you know, what's going on. And that's when she told us about this, uh, terror attack that happened in Barcelona, uh, in which I believe a van drove into a crowd of people. And I think it killed 13. That's as of right now. I actually don't know more of the details because this just happened. Uh, and as she was crying, one of the things she said is that like, it, it just never ends. And she was worried about her safety, but more just the general concept of safety and feeling like it is just not safe anywhere. So Andrew and I listened to her and tried to reassure her. And then I actually stood up and gave her a big hug and I asked her her name and we introduced ourselves and just had a, it didn't take very long, but she calmed down a bit and she thanked us and she left. So it's interesting because she didn't know anybody there. Uh, she didn't know anybody in Barcelona, but I think she saw what was happening in Charleston. I, uh, uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, Charlottesville, not Charleston, Charlottesville and, um, Barcelona. And I think she just felt overwhelmed and looking at the world around us, not even in the last week, but in the last year or two years or who, who knows, Maybe my entire lifetime, who's to say, but it certainly thing, sounds like things are getting more contentious right now, but it makes sense to me why everybody is so angry and so sad and it feels hopeless. It, that was the thing that she had said. It feels hopeless. Um, and so I wanted to try and, and meet that hopelessness with some, some Bible verses here. And I recognize, and I'm, I have a hard time finding comfort in the Bible at least as, at least emotionally. Intellectually, I do, but emotionally, it does not provide me with a great deal of comfort. But I'm going to read this anyway, uh, because maybe it will help you. So this is Psalm, verse, uh, Psalm 34, verses 17 uh, through 20, I believe. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Philippians 4, verses 6, uh, 6 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then lastly, this is a verse I've, I've been saying a lot for the last year or two, and maybe there's a reason for that. This is Revelation 21, verse 4. Look, uh, I think this is, sorry, this is more verses than just four, I believe. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no, no more death. And there it's quoting Isaiah, by the way. Uh, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for, for the old order of things has passed away. There seems to be right now a lot of death, mourning, crying, and pain, and anger, and rage. There's a lot of that going on right now, and everybody is just... I feel like there's also a lot of tribalism going on, because that might be the only comfort that we can take, is, well, I'm just going to... I'm going to stay with people that are like me because then I feel safe. 
And while I totally understand how important it is to feel safe, you know, Jesus did not seek out safety all the time. Um, so actually, you know what? I think I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. So I, one thing I'll say here is that uh, Mike Pence, the vice president, who I actually like a fair amount, I certainly like him more than our current president, um, he recently gave a speech and he said that he was Christian, conservative, and Republican in that order. And I believe that is a good sentiment. Uh, we are to be Christians first, which means that if somebody is insulting our politics or our candidates or even us, we are to respond first as Christians. Now, sometimes that means standing up for the truth, even to people in our own party, and sometimes it means turning the other cheek. But before the, either of those, it means putting our own pride and insecurity aside and really listen to what people are saying. And then we look to Jesus' actions and words to determine how we should respond. Jesus' reaction to the events around him, it was rarely anger. It was often uh, heartbrokenness or brokenheartedness, pardon me, um, and patience, and then eventually hope. And his hope came out of his intense, unconditional love for those around him, even those that were doing evil, including the people that were doing evil to him. Um, and so I would say as we as we try to be like Jesus, I think we should start by praying for everyone. Pray for the president, pray for protesters, pray for anti-protesters, pray for terrorists, pray for victims, and then pray for all of those people that are watching. And that's most of us, all the people that are watching these events and are despairing and are losing hope. They see racism. They see, uh, terror, they see violence, they just see rage everywhere. It's like the beginning of 28 days later. They're just everywhere we look, we're just seeing a fallen world that seems to be imploding. And I, I completely understand the depression and sadness that can come from that. And sometimes we choose to be angry because that's at least active or at least it seems active. It feels like we're getting something done. We're just angry all the time. Um, but I think reaching out to people that are not like us and then praying for people that we would view as subhuman people that we might never associate with in life and maybe rightfully so, but it doesn't matter. They are still children of God. He still loves them. It astonishes me that God loves people that are, that are flying the Nazi flag. That does not mean he approves what they say or what they do, but he still loves them and wants them to come out of this lifestyle. He wants them to come out of this belief system so that they might love other people as he loves them. And so I feel like that is what we need to do. We need to be praying for all of these people and I get, and you know what? I'll go out by saying this. It probably wouldn't hurt to give each other a hug every now and then uh, as well. So sometimes that that can provide more comfort than than words can. Is just showing that we are not actually alone, either cosmically or physically. That we are pulling for one another. I have no doubt that this woman uh, at Starbucks today. We probably disagree on a ton of things, and yet we both look at the world around us and feel so sad and so angry. And in that moment, 
it didn't matter what she believed. It didn't matter what I believed. It just mattered that we were there for each other. And that might be the only thing that we can do. So, uh, I don't know if this was helpful to you. Um, because I do think that there is such a thing as action. I think that there are things we can do actively. Um, this is, I think this is probably more for people that are not in a position to do anything actively. Maybe that like, maybe there's something going on with their job. Maybe they, they just don't have time because they're raising several kids. Who knows? Um, but just because you are not actively involved, as I saw from this woman earlier, that doesn't mean that you are not overwhelmed by what's happening. And so this was more for you. Um, and for me, honestly, as many of you know, I've been feeling rather depressed lately and, uh, often quite suicidal and I can, am looking at the world around me, which, uh, I'm not really that involved in. Um, it's easy to feel like how it is now is how it will always be, but there is hope in Christ, both personally and for the world in general. So I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, I don't know. I think this might be the episode for this week. Um, I may post that mini sode, uh, in a few days, have it be sort of a midweek thing. I'm not really sure, but, uh, but be on the lookout for that. And in the meantime, thank you all for listening and I'll get you next time. Bye. Mm-hmm.